I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is the Let's Do the Right Thing podcast, curated and presented by Adam Hopkinson. Hello and welcome to the LDTRT podcast, a podcast helping you see where industry leaders have started with a new direction and, well, done the right thing along the way. Today I'll be talking with Sam Garrity and asking specifically about the journey to date and what the best and worst things have been about it. Driving home, phoning pretty much every person I knew um, and punching the roof of my, my golf the whole way home. I was exhausted by the time I got back to London. Sam, I also want to hear about what you're setting your sights on now and what problem in the world you're setting out to resolve. I'm hoping to hear some secret sauce here that's led to the phenomenal growth of Rocket Mill. I'm Adam Hopkinson, the host of this podcast and the founder of LDTRT. Let's do the right thing. For those of you who don't know us, we're a specialist consultancy set to transform business by delivering best practice and excellence in the world of digital media. I have a couple of thanks to give straight off. It's been a delight working with Radio Works to get this project running, and it wouldn't have happened without them, so thank you very much. And I also have to thank James Carey for the music. For today's LDTRT podcast, we have Sam Garrity, a founder and the CEO of Rocket Mill, a full-service digital marketing agency Rocket Mill are growing strongly and are known for great welcomes into new staff, putting people first and, brilliantly, for doing great work. It's a great pleasure to have you here, Sam. Thanks for taking the time to come up. Thank you for the invite. Outside of work, we have a couple of very interesting links and one of my favourite places in the world, Villa Pier, Mm -hmm. and also one of my favourite people in the world, Chris Shepperson. It would make me very happy to be able to wind him up with something from today. Adam, I've, um, I've racked my brains and there's nothing I could say about Chris that's safe for work, I'm afraid. Um, I, I will err on the side of caution and just declare him a first-class human being okay. and, uh, and leave it at that. <laughs> I'm definitely going to wind him up afterwards anyway. O- over to you. Daily Express to the Daily Mail mm-hmm. is a link that I, I understand and perhaps also from there to Clear Channel. I, I get that link, building out a more strategic offering. But from out of home pre-digitization to taking a step and backing yourself and rocket mill well that's what i want to hear about what prompted that move I mean, what had you seen you've got to cast your mind back to 10 years ago now and obviously we've got the dawn of the credit crunch so economic turmoil but the the other major factor was digital disruption a lot of agencies were being created at that time to help the very large clients but my brother ben had seen a real opportunity he'd moved out of national press and into online directories and these online directories were were ultimately selling bob the builders of this world uh, a listing in their directory and selling it as something called ppc and seo ben wasn't comfortable selling that and saw a real opportunity for us to head to that end of the marketplace and to really help these small businesses sort of develop their own properties online and then market them on google 
that was it. It was a really simple model. I'd be lying, Adam, if I said we, we called it an agency or thought of it as an agency. It was more of a, a, um, a professional service, and I've got very fond memories from those early days. So you started by doing the right thing for, for businesses that really weren't able to tap into that expertise anywhere else? Yeah, they were they were being seriously neglected, and they, they didn't know it. They had no understanding of the marketplace, so we kept things very simple. We had a direct debit model with them. They didn't even pay to build their website. Wow. And, but uh, does direct debit also mean prepayment? It did. So cash nice. flow positive from, from a very early stage, There's which is key. Lesson number one. And I'm sure we'll get to that point uh, <laughs> later on because sales are key. But it was a really simple model for them to understand. And we'd go and see them face to face every three months and show them Google Analytics and talk them through what was going on. But they weren't that interested, if I'm honest. They could see that there was more custom. They could see that they'd employed another chap on a YTS scheme. Um, they could literally feel it. It was tangible and it was incredibly rewarding to be that close to a business owner and see the impact of your work. Wow. So then you, you would be optimizing your work for genuine business outcomes straight away. Yeah, and you'd, you'd physically see it. Wow, but people are only just beginning to talk about this on an industry level. I mean, you <laughs> did this t- 10 years ago. I think it's because it's micro biz. These were businesses that were spending probably £10,000 a year in the yellow pages. Their consumers had moved online. They had no idea. So, so it was, a, it was, it was a, a, a great market to be a part of. I mean, back when we started, just to give you some tangible sort of feel for it, the yellow pages was a dominant thing that you couldn't get through the letterbox and you'd hear it land. I'm sure I you can recall. Yeah. Now it's gone. So uh, it gives you a sense of the momentum we created. So you started with local businesses, helping them do it, and then you've built a more fuller service digital agency on the back of that? Yeah, we've always um, invested our own money. So it's been organic growth the whole journey, 10 years. And at certain points within that journey, locally, we had a very strong brand and bigger businesses started to offer us the opportunity to work with them or at least pitch. Clients like Gatwick Airport were, were quite early doors for us. And we went into those pitches with nothing to lose. It was a deviation, if you like, from our, our core business uh, strategy of attacking the, 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 the Bob the Builders of this world. Um, but we won. And that meant we needed new a uh, new layer to the business, client services, data science, that side of things. And from that, you employ really smart people that need other big clients to work with. And the organic kind of snowball continues. So sadly... 10 years on, I think we only have a handful of um, our original clients still with us. But What's been really nice along the journey is we've employed and educated and given birth to a number of people that have gone out and set up these businesses similar to what we were on day one. And so quite often when we've retired these uh, legacy clients, if you like, they've gone and worked with people that we we previously have employed. Clients do come and go, but but you and Ben have been solid throughout? In and, terms of our relationship? Well, or? no, I mean, you two have, have stayed with the business and, you know, and you're talking already now about retaining talent in the business. Mm-hmm. So you're proud of that and you've got a lot of people that stick with you? Yeah, we've, we've got an incredible retention record. I think we're as motivated as, as, as we've ever been and, and, and still feel genuinely like we're at the start of something. Wow. So where's it going to be in 10 years' time then? If it's, if it's grown from where it was to where it is, what's well, next? If you'd have asked me on day one, would we still be alive now? Um, I would have undoubtedly said yes. Mm -hmm. I I really believed in it. But I had no idea what type of scale or what direction we'd end up taking. I think 10 years in today's market, it's quite a troublesome horizon. Um, It's too far for me. I think I could talk to you quite clearly about what we resemble today and how things are shaping up over the next few years. But 10 years, I'm afraid, is just a, a tad too far. It will always be digital for Rocket Mill? For me, digital's not a channel. 
So I think historically it's been siloed as search, social and display, whereas yeah. I, d- I don't believe that's the case anymore. I think you can buy most channels digitally. That's the infrastructure with which we trade. And the more and more our business now moves into areas such as addressable television. And if you think back to when, you know, electricity was a thing, I'm sure there was people out there boasting about having an electric factory. Yes. Um, yes. They don't anymore. And uh, <laughs> that's probably how I see our business. It's, it's certainly... Um, it has to be badged as digital because that's what clients buy. It's not how we see ourselves. Have you dropped digital out of your description yet? or Unfortunately not because it still drives an awful lot of search queries and business towards us because that's what the need. Clients see the need for that expertise and that's how they label it and that's their route to market often and we would be foolish to drop it at this stage. But in terms of how we identify and look at one another internally, yes, I'll happily drop it. Right. Watch this space. Indeed. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Was it a deliberate trajectory? Did you always want to found something? I mean, we're 10 years in now. Do you actually celebrate? On the day, we hadn't referenced it to the team, the actual specific date. They just knew it was summer. Uh, and Ben and I were in a, a senior leadership team meeting we hold every every Monday at 2pm and uh, upon leaving turned around and the team had created this tunnel a, a welcome like we give to new employees and uh, sang us happy birthday said a few words they'd all baked uh, or a number of them had baked some cakes and various wow. things and it was a it was a really touching moment actually that they turned the tables on us whose idea was the tunnel because we see it all over LinkedIn now whenever anybody new comes along it's nicely shared. It's a really nice, feels welcoming. It feels great. It feels like part of a family straight away. That's, that's nice to hear because um, I think we don't take it too seriously. That's us taking the piss out of ourselves, if I'm being honest. It started from a feeling, really, an observation of mine that um, quite often when people start a business, and I've, I've, we've all had this experience where you get toured around the floor and everybody kind of knows you're starting and there's lots of hushed sort of this is is that Adam is that the new chap <laughs> and uh, you have to have the same conversation maybe 200 times nobody yeah. really remembers your name let's be honest I thought there's got to be a better way of doing this where we break the ice uh, where we we're humorous about it and we give somebody a real a, an incredible memory that also puts us on the map 
So I thought, if we get everybody together, what I, what I tend to do, this is the giving you behind the scenes now, um, I'm pretty much there for every induction. So every one start date, I get the team together while they're in reception. I tell them about their career. I laud them. I then go upstairs, get them ready for the welcome. They know it's happening. And obviously we, we film it, hand them their induction at the end and what have you. And that's pretty much the first email they get when they arrive at their desk is that that video file. And we hope that they share it on LinkedIn. And then we really hope that their colleagues that are having a really crap Monday somewhere else are looking at that and thinking, Rocket Mill looks like a cool place. It does. So there, there is, you know, the, the, there's a strategy as well as a, a, a human feeling we want to evoke, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I remember being on day one somewhere and being handed on day one a bunch of invoice queries to have to get sorted out. <laughs> 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 Slightly different. So over the, I mean, I wonder whether this is one of your favourites, but over the last 10 years, there must have been some favourite moments. What can you share? For me personally, I would go back to very early doors. I'd sold my flat in Fulham to to help fund the business. Um, My wife was pregnant with our first child and I was living in my sister's loft in Rains Park. And um, we were drumming up our sales via cold calling out of the yellow pages um, on our mobiles. And I remember going on, on this, I think it was very early doors, so Monday of a week, I would set up a load of meetings for the rest of the week. So that was cold calling day. The Tuesday I went to Portsmouth and we were deliberately not targeting London even though we lived there. Mm-hmm. So I went out and turned up to three different meetings where the business owner didn't show up or was there and said he didn't have the time. I returned home that evening and was crestfallen. and I genuinely was concerned that this might not work. I hadn't made a sale yet. The very next day, I went to three meetings where they all turned up in Southampton. The first two said, this looks promising, but you know it's not for us just yet. And the third one, I presented to a builder while he was on a job. He was fitting out a kitchen. With a laptop. I had a laptop, yep. uh, a very heavy, big laptop, um, and put it on his dashboard and presented to him in his, in his white van. And uh, he, he really liked it. We, we hit it off anyway. He said, look, in a few months when my Yellow Pages subscription ends, we're going to do a deal. So I was kind of excited about that and I got in my little clapped out old golf to drive off down the road and he knocked on the window as I was literally driving off he said to me Sam I like you I really trust you this sounds exciting let's just do the deal he said I want to get cracking and I'll sign you a check for the first year up front if you you know if you take 10% off uh, that was a it didn't take me too long to uh, yes yeah exactly to bite his arm off and and I, I think Adam the, the bit that always sticks with me is driving home, phoning pretty much every person I knew um, and punching the roof of my my golf the whole way home. I was exhausted by the time I got back to London. But it was that particular point. The reason I'm referencing that is that's the point I absolutely knew it was going to work. It was just going to be about the scale of our ambition, our appetite and how the market responded thereafter. But I was convinced it was going to work. Wow. You know, I really have to thank Ben for observing the market and and he had that same drive and he saw an opportunity to really help help a specific segment of the market and that 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 was key really because once he identified that and explained it clearly I was I was all in so I love my brother dearly but I couldn't imagine working with him we drive each other mental how do you cope with that (laughs) Ben's skills are very different from mine he's a gregarious very charming um brilliant client person uh so he he works as chief revenue officer he's also a pretty humble guy so he's he's happy for me to uh, you know to perform the role of ceo and you know we don't look like a family run business anymore when a family business is run poorly it's an appalling and toxic place for anyone to work when it's run effectively 
it's so fast and you have a real advantage. And Ben and I can speak so candidly to one another where, mm. admittedly, if you, were, if you were a party to that conversation, it, it, it takes a while to get used to it. But we're so direct and we're over it so fast mm. that I think it gives us an edge. Wow. What's the scariest moment? Um, probably the day before those sales <laughs> <laughs> in Portsmouth. Um, so th- there were tons of scary days early, early doors. And uh, what I would say is everything at the start feels like life and death. The highs are so high, the lows are so low. But if I was to take your question quite literally, what was the scariest moment? It has to be presenting at this uh, Kenshu event and I was a keynote along with Rory Sutherland who for my money is the finest speaker in our industry. He's spectacular. Um, Yep, an absolute hero of mine and uh, to be presenting uh, in in, in a section which was titled the keynote talks and it was just Rory and I, um, I will still remember, I still can feel my heart rate from, from, from that moment. And, uh, you know, like many of us, I, I, I present, but I'm not entirely comfortable with the, the prospect of it, let alone presenting with, uh, with Rory Sutherland. When we did a bit of a background on this conversation in the last couple of days, well, you mentioned that there weren't many exceptional people in the industry. And I think I would count Rory as being one of those. Undoubtedly. Uh, what do you need? Do you need to have something magical and special about you to go out and do this on your own? No. Okay. No, I'm 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 fu- <laughs> I'm pretty ordinary, Adam, um, and my team will tell you that much. Um, so, absolutely, you don't. Okay, I'm going to disagree a little bit here because you you did a lot of things other people are not going to be prepared to do. So, if your mm-hmm. wife was pregnant, that's a really big risk. I'm not going to take that. You put your house on the line. You're driving out of London. You're you're actually finding out markets are even harder for you to address than the ones that are necessarily on your doorstep. I think that does take a bit of specialness. I mean, you might not want to admit it, but there is something there that I don't think is with everybody. Um, yeah, but I think Ben and I had some courage, but I don't think we're special. We're far from it. Honestly, I'm not. that's not just me trying to be humble for the sake of this podcast. I had to talk myself off that ledge of quite a few times and then dive in and go for it. And, and I came to the realisation that I was going to regret it more if we didn't give it a crack as opposed to regret it if we failed and I, and I came also came to the realization that there was a ton of people out there that were ready to support us you know even even just psychologically not not through money or not through custom not through our market um that, that people wanted us to win yeah so what are the long-term plans for it i mean in 10 years time is it is it will it still be rocket mill will it still be out of london will it be international where, where do you want to take it for those that don't know us, we talk a lot about people first. That's a strategy of ours that is founded on the truth. It's an absolute philosophy. It burns within us. And we're passionate about running an agency that puts its people first. We recognise that we're nothing more than what they bring to it from a behavioural point of view. That creates its culture and their intellect creates the output for our clients. I don't want the agency necessarily in its current entity to to go beyond the confines of of being capable to continue to act like that so currently teams about 70 will will be pushing that on and hopefully nudging it within the next two and a half years to 140 i think at that stage we we if we're to go beyond that it's a new market or a new brand because I, i don't believe we will be necessarily capable of carrying on with that strategy which we so strongly believe in creating a business a single entity that has more staff than that 
Amazing. And are, are you in creative space as well, as well as connecting brands with their consumers? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think um, we're more and more now, if you think about historically, the agency world has, has operated in a space where it activates within media and creative, um, where we do an awful lot of work below that waterline as well. So whether it be the technology, so the plumbing, we help clients along uh, with the plumbing side of things. We stitch that together from a data point of view. We provide clients with strategy, um, for whether that be business optimization optimization or marketing and then we activate traditionally in creative and obviously within media and we've spent an awful lot recently on our creative resource that's an area that the uh, the native digital agencies have, have under indexed in and possibly we've you know we're starting to see the impact of uh, some pretty poor creative work from digital agencies for a long period of time are you getting involved in conversations with clients that may want your consultancy to bring things in-house so obviously as an agency, yeah. you want to be working with clients, but they're, they're talking to you about helping them do that as well now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm more than happy to do that. Uh, uh, we've done it in, on, on, on several occasions. There's one example worth uh, sharing with a finance client where we've had uh, a member of their staff come in and work through our media academy for six months, trained with us and then gone in-house and taken some of our remit with them. But all it's done is changed the scope of our engagement. We're now or have been more consultative with that client I don't think agencies can hang on to the traditional agency model. Where do you think the industry is on the, the in-housing cycle? I, I don't think there's a future in it. I think that this is going to be a short-term trend for, for people to be bringing skill sets internal, and then they're going to realise the value that agencies bring to them, and we'll get a reset and a recycle again that things will be farmed out to a group. Do, mm-hmm. do you see that? Uh, or? I, I, think it, I, um, I don't think we'll ever reach a conclusion on that particular debate. I don't think there'll be enough data for it. I think there are tons of businesses out there that have been created that are e-commerce, that are digitally native, that will forever do most of the work in-house. There are some massive businesses like Vodafone that have taken a a vast trench of the traditional agency um, workload in-house, and I think they'll probably make a a success of it over the longer term if they're committed to it. And then there'll be some clients that try it, and for a number of reasons, retaining talent, continuity, you know, the relationships with the the tech vendors, uh, uh, you know, just having the culture to retain these people is, is pretty tough. There'll be a mixed bag of success across across the board. It'll be interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah. I'm not seeing very many success stories coming of people in housing things at the minute. The other thing that we should talk about, because the marketplace isn't just these huge businesses that can afford to do this. We've got a ton of clients at Rocket Mill that are really meaningful businesses, brands that people would know of, and their budget simply doesn't cater to taking everything in-house. And that's why we work so well for them, because they can have a piece of somebody on our data science team, a piece of our media team. They couldn't afford the 12 people we put on their campaign full-time in-house, and they don't have the infrastructure to manage them, they don't have the culture to retain them, and they don't have the kind of learning and development and pace that we bring to it. So from from my point of view, that you know, we talk about in-housing. I think it's a debate for the top end of the market. And that's why I love, generally, I love where we operate. And we work with some incredible brands. But I kind of like that mid-market space. Absolutely. Where actually the, the, the major topical troublesome trends in our sector, it, it just doesn't apply. So we, we get trends in the, in the industry that, that appear for a couple of years and disappear. And it's usually somebody's being bashed for something. Mm-hmm. What do you think will be the next issue? 
Well, I, I'd like to start one. Okay. If, 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 who knows? We might be lighting. We first. might be lighting the touch paper. Here. <laughs> um, I can't believe how irresponsible we are as a, as, a, as a sector. We rifle our way through an incredible amount of cash, and we buy each channel differently. Each brand attributes the impact of of our work differently, and we can't agree on what works. We still debate in you know in our trade press whether you should invest in brand or performance. When surely everything is an investment, everything is performance, and we should have a unified understanding of what worked, whether that be brand sentiment or sales or a mixture of both. Surely there is enough intelligence and enough willpower in our trade bodies to come together and have a unified view of what works. Now, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll quickly share an example of where we're not the first to face this particular problem. So in 1929, the New York stock market crashed. Obviously, we all know about that. And the Great Depression ensued. Now, in 1934, the SCC was created. And the SCC was created to protect the interests of shareholders. And at that particular point, believe it or not, everybody accounted differently. And it was optional whether you reported your revenues. And the SEC said, right, we're going to have to create a, a, a global standard for accounting. And the accountants were up in arms. They said, you can't do that. This is an art. It's not a science what we do. And they were railroaded eventually. And what we now accept as a global standard for the ways companies report their financials, that's the cornerstone of how we all make our investment decisions as businesses and individuals. And that's, that wasn't always the case. That's crazy. And I, like, surely we can do something similar in marketing, can't we? Will we get there? I think we can, but will Look, we get If there? we don't, if we don't, we're screwed. Not only are we having these debates about brand versus performance and so on, but we're also now starting to see this crisis of confidence in the experiences we're giving consumers. How do we resolve that? Will it ever be an industry that you have to have qualifications to enter into so that there is a best practice, British standard kite mark, if you like, for practitioners in the industry? That's a tangent on the conversation. I think um, how we report results, the impact of our work, yep. I think there most certainly there should be a, a standard bought to that, which the trade bodies for each of the different media can start to come together and, and force that debate. I think it's in the interests of all of us. Now, in terms of um, accreditations, that speaks more to training and yeah. that side of things. And I think we definitely under-index in, in or, or, or underperform it in terms of the investment we place and the stock we place in training. Now, you'll know because you will have spent enough time across the table at lunch or in the pub talking to people. What are um, you saying? Most of us <laughs> fall into this industry. Yes, we do. You know, it's like, and I certainly it's, did. It's like recruitment. Yeah. Um, and the difference when uh, you and I are slightly older than probably a lot of our audience, the difference uh, when we started is it was a lot simpler. Uh, we had a bit more time. I got sent on some wonderful training, um, which still happens, actually. The media business, I think it's now held, down in, Bright yeah, Indeed, held yeah. down in Brighton. There seemed to be time and appetite for it. What I witness, and I'm, I'm speaking now, I have to be careful, I'm speaking very much from an agency point of view. Mm -hmm. What I see now is low agency margins and no time literally none people have to join they have to add value straight away they have to hit the ground running and i don't think we invest enough in training i think an awful lot of people in our industry have to get moving pretty fast and learn on the job and learn by making mistakes so i, I, I think we do need to professionalize to some degree around our training i'm not saying the courses aren't out there 
but I think our approach to them and stock we place in them probably needs to to, to have a tweak. So we need to professionalise and we need to have a uniform way of reporting results. I wonder whether I'm able to ask this question, but it, it sounds like a Rocket Mail, as you are moving into other media areas and able to operate in that, are, are you able to solve that? Have you got a, a tool that you're talking about? Um, unfortunately not. That would be, I should have thought of that, shouldn't I, Adam, before the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think I'd, I would certainly want to play a, a, a big part in the debate and force the agenda, um, and this may be just the start of that. Imagine a small agency like ours, a digital agency, coming up with the thing. I, I would like it to be a meeting of minds across media channels, from media owners, from brands and from agencies alike. Um, I think there needs to be some sort of council bought around it. I agree. On your journey, 10 years ago, people would have given you advice and you'd have listened to some of that and ignored some of it. What was the best bit of advice that you were given? Um, not entirely sure. It, can I rephrase the question? Yeah. If you're asking me what advice I would give others based upon what I've learned, I would certainly say know how to sell. Know how to sell. Yeah. There's there's so many smart people out there with great ideas and they actually execute really well upon them, but they can't sell. And so if you're one of those, then you need to weaponize with uh, an ally that can get the ear of somebody and sell. Uh, you will fail if you don't sell. Is there something that you would have liked to have heard earlier in your career that may have accelerated your your startup? I think fear fear has always pushed me on as an individual, fear of failure. And I think it took me a long time to turn that into a really positive thing and to not be so scared of it. Um, so I, I would have liked some, probably would have just liked some coaching around that particular issue over time, I think. Do you have a, a mentor or somebody that you go to, to just to help you focus like that? Um, well, we've invested in a resident coach in the business. So this is somebody who anybody can have free one-to-one -one time with and talk about any issue inside and outside of work. Uh, her name's Sarah Rudder. She's absolutely excellent. And I, I will often bounce things off of her, yes. It's 100% confidential and then she'll just feed back trends if she's seeing something across the business. But that's somebody... Um, that certainly I've spoken to and there's been a number of different people over the years that, that, that we've you know lent into good to hear you know you need the, need the help the guidance etc glad to hear it so it's a bit of an awkward question this perhaps but given that you are a media agency do you think this might be the year of new agencies I'm not entirely sure I, I think um, there's some wonderful new agencies coming up with, with great models I'm not entirely sure no. okay let, let me just say to you now, if you, if you were thinking about creating an agency, as, as we know it, an agency, and you looked at the issues at the top end of the marketplace, that they're all in housing, that the FBI is investigating the way media is traded in the US, yeah. the, 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 the trust in advertising dropping at a consumer level from maybe 60 years ago, where it was nudging 80% down to about 20%, ad blockers, you know, walled gardens. Um, if you looked at it all, it would be easy to kind of write it off and say no. But within all of that, I, I see huge opportunities. I see huge opportunities because too. It's the, you know, I'm not a network basher. There's so much great talent within the networks, but they have shareholders. The things they need to do to, to orientate around the marketplace as it is today, that's going to cost them an awful lot of profit and they can't do it quick enough because it's too tough a conversation with shareholders. So um, there's opportunity there. That sounds like a perfect place to round off. I have to say thank you. It's an absolute yeah. pleasure. Um, I really enjoyed that. You've got a brilliant voice, by the way. 
it's a brilliant <laughs> voice for radio. Do you know when when I'm I'm this this kind of can round it all off quite nicely. We um, I got toured around the mail on Sunday when I joined there. Uh, much much like we didn't get the welcome, you know, <laughs> got hush, the hush tour. The last person I met um, on that tour was was unbeknown to me, my, my wife, and um, she popped up from behind her screen. And her first thoughts, as I said, "Hi, I'm Sam," was, "God, he's got a strange voice." A so, strange uh, voice. Yes. Yeah, so there, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Cheers. To hear more, subscribe to the show. And why not leave us a nice review while you're there, as it helps others find us. Let's Do the Right Thing was devised and presented by Adam Hopkinson and was a Maple Street Creative production. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.